Welcome to Season 2 of Shock Your Potential. This podcast is designed to help you to achieve your best self professionally and personally. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. My guests bring a wealth of experience, and their stories hold messages that transform me with every conversation. I seek out those whose businesses, lives, and causes challenge me to be my best, and hopefully, they will impact you just as much. I'm an author and speaker on leadership, sales, and the customer experience, and I want to help you to shock your potential. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And now, let's meet our next guest. Welcome to another episode of Shock Your Potential. And this episode is definitely going to be shocking and I cannot wait to talk to my guest, not only to uh, pepper him with a whole bunch of questions, but tell him how much I've been enjoying following a little bit of his journey. His name is Matt Javitt. He's been traveling the world full time for the past almost two years. And as you're listening, you're probably going, oh my God, I want to do that. How do I do that? And that was the first thought I had as I got to know him and a little bit about his story. But before he decided to go on this adventure with his wife, he was had a fabulous career, a long-term uh, sales executive, high-performing, lots of awards. And at some point in time, he said, okay, you know what? We're going to go pursue something more. So we're going to talk a little bit about his adventures, a little bit about the business that he's building as he's doing this. And we're going to talk about barber shops, which is going to be very interesting. So first of all, Matt, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Matt, what possessed you to say, screw it, I'm going to give it all up, this glamorous world of sales and, and knowing where I am in the world and just going out there to uh, tackle it? It was a pull, really. It wasn't a push. Um, I know some, we've met some travelers on the road that they're just, they were fed up and so they left something. Ours was more of a pull. The travel just called us and we really wanted to go see the world. Um, we had had the opportunity to, to visit. Um, some exotic locations. And um, every time we would come back from those locations, we just, we had a desire to see more and more. Um, so that's what, it was a pull to, to really take the, the leap into long-term travel and to experience more than the typical 10 to 12 days that you might have on a vacation, um, a, a long vacation, and um, experience it all in. Um, and that's why we decided to do, we, my wife and I, Nikki, to decide to, to, to see the world for a little over two years. So, and tell everybody where you are right now. I should have uh, given you that lead right in the beginning. We are in Vietnam in a, their third largest city that's called Da Nang. It's, on a, it's a coastal city in the central region. And um, it's a place that Nikki and I have fallen in love with. And so we're here for a few days before we head to Singapore here shortly. Oh, very good. I'm hoping to get to Singapore this year. I have some business associates there. So it's, it's definitely on my agenda. Nice. It's a beautiful city. So I love travel as well. <clears throat> and it's one of those things that, that calls to me. And yet there's this balance of what, you know, what do you do and how much do you travel? I'm very fortunate because I have the opportunity to do a lot of things that I'd like being a speaker and, and running my own business, but still the, the desire, the, I guess the, the dream of unplugging and, and really just going to immerse yourself is daunting, I think, to anybody. So how, how have you plotted where you're going and what your strategy is and, and, you know, kind of, do you just 
take it as it comes or did you have a long-term strategy of knowing exactly where you wanted to go on this journey? Our, our overall strategy was always to, to follow the sun. Uh, we're both warm, beachy um, type people. And it also helps with the backpack because um, we both only have a 46 liter backpack each. So to pack winter clothes would, would have made it real difficult. So um, that was always the, the goal. So we, we knew that um, we, we mapped it out starting in South America and going through Europe and, and India and then South Africa and then the Southeast Asia route. We knew that our, our path over the two and a half, um, it's, it's essentially about 27 months until from start until we go back to the United States. We, we knew that path, but we also gave ourselves some leniency on what countries we'd hit and um, the ability to, to change when necessary if we heard about good things that were happening in the regions that we were. Um, and we also knew that we wanted to do it in the way that we're describing and not come back to, to home um, during that period, because a lot of people were like, well, why don't you come back every six months or nine months, like, like a lot of travelers do. But I wanted, and my wife, we agreed that we wanted to do it all in with the ability to know that, um, that there wasn't that the, the, the coming home option because it would change our experience. Because knowing that you have to get out of yourself for two years and you, you, you got to live a very, very minimal lifestyle as far as the things you can carry and pack and, and then you're always um, making the decisions to continue to travel and in new areas. We knew that that would push us to new limits and teach us new things. So that was always part of the plan as well, because obviously we got pressure from family to say, well, once you come back during the holidays and things like that. But um, we just knew that the experience, we'd get more out of the experience by going all in and going um, nonstop full-time travel uh, as we took on this, this journey. I think that's really smart. And I can, I, as I, as you were talking, I was thinking, boy, my family, our families would be giving us all kinds of grief without a doubt. So you probably get that a lot. However, I mean, the world we live in today, it's a lot easier to stay connected. So, you know, you can do that. But I like how you've set your boundaries that you've said, hey, this is the potential opportunity that we want. And we're going to shock it to the best of our ability, but we're going to do it all in no safety nets, you know, just, I mean, there's obviously safety nets that you can access, but that you're really saying we're mentally committed to this. And, and so part of what you've done too, is you're building things as you as you're going along, you've got a blog, you've got podcast, you have these world barbershop adventures, which I want to talk about. How have you, how did you decide? And did you know before you left that you wanted to have all those things in motion or have some of them built along your journey? The blog itself, we knew that that was the first thing we we're going to try to share because we knew that we wanted, we wanted to share our story of basically professionals that left near the peak of their careers to go do this. And we feel like this is going to become um, not, I guess, more common than it has traditionally with people in our age category. I'm 42. Nikki's in her, uh, Nikki's in her late, th she's 37. And um, for us <laughs> to leave, I, know, I felt bad <laughs> doing that. <laughs> but to, to leave when we did, um, we knew that it was going to, we, I feel like this is going to become more common, especially with the generations that are following us, that they're going to work really hard. Like we did make, make some money, save some money, and then have a mid career uh, kind of retirement and then go back to work knowing that we're all going to work until we're in their seventies and eighties anyway. So you might as well travel when you can, um, if that's the desire that, that you have. So, um, we wanted to document it for others behind us that were looking to do this, but also for our friends and family back home that wanted to follow along with our journey. Um, so give them a chance to, to, to get a piece of that. 
and, and really in, in our nephews and nieces um, in the future. So that was part of the blog setup, and it's something that um, we have a lot of passion about and just be able to share that content. And then the podcast was also a goal when we left because I actually packed the microphone, um, the single microphone that we have. I packed it before we left, but we didn't, we didn't start our podcast until we were on the road for a year. Um, part, of what, part of that was getting the courage to do it. Some of it was um, just getting a better flow because right out of the gate, just traveling, we had so many things we had to change and adapt. I mean, um, just one, just being around the same person 24-7 and then also uh, experiencing um, the life of travel um, to different countries and cultures and um, in and out of transport, all forms of transportation. And until after about a year, we were in a good flow. We were much better travelers. And we felt like we could incorporate that into what we were doing because um, a weekly podcast period is difficult. A weekly podcast in different countries around the world is, has been uh, extremely challenging, but we've done it and um, we're happy about it. And, but again, that was part of uh, being able to do it, have an audible version of our story so we can reflect on it later. Also to share with friends and family and then hopefully our nephews and nieces at some point. Um, and then the World Barbershop Adventures, that just came out of nowhere. I never thought that we would have a, um, a visual no aspect to our travel, to our journey that came out of an inspiration um, when I was in Bucharest, Romania, having a great conversation with the barber there. And uh, he was asking me about all the different barbers I'd been to around the world. And just, just our conversation and how he was taking it, um, it showed me that it told me like, hey, maybe the other people want to hear this and maybe I should document this. And I went back to the, to the room in, in Bucharest and told Nikki about it. And we just brainstormed on it. And we said, okay, this is something we should probably do. So that's where that came from. And now we're um, 12 episodes in, in different cities um, that we've documented. And, and that's starting to get a, a, a good follow base as well. So all these things have just kind of popped up. And, and now we're, uh, we're trying to understand, because this content creation world is absolutely different than anything we're, we've um, done in our past. And I'm working, I'm also working on like a movie, a screenplay. Nikki's working on the books. So we're doing all these creative things that we never had time to do before. And it's, it's really interesting and it's neat. And it's, it's helped us grow our skills in different ways um, that I think are, are going to translate really well into our next chapter of life, whatever that chapter, um, whatever that chapter is after we get off the road. It's, if it's going back to doing exactly what we did, we're going to be better at what we did because of these new skills, um, or if we decide to do something else because new doors open, then, then that's how we'll, we'll translate those skills as well. But it's, it's been an awesome journey for sure. It's amazing. I wrote down, usually I'm, I maintain eye contact, but when you, you said mid-career retirement, and that is, I'd not heard that, you know, spoken that way. And it's a really incredible concept, I think. And as you know, especially when you're traveling, <clears throat> there's a number of people in the rest of the world where young people before they start college or before they start their careers, they take a year or two and they go abroad and they, they see the world. And I've always been impressed by that. But at 18, I would not have had the courage to do it. I would not have had the means to do it. Um, and I don't think I had the savvy to do it. And I probably would have made great choices all the way around. <clears throat> On the flip side, you have a lot of people that work their whole career saying, I'm going to work, 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 retire, and then we're going to go travel the world. And you don't know what's going to happen. And are you still healthy? Yeah. And do you have the finances for it? This is a really amazing concept to, to have the strength to do it and to recognize 
that this journey can make you better. Even if you went back into the same roles, you're going to approach them vastly different because of these experiences. To your point about traveling later in life, I, we've met many older travelers and you meet them and you talk to them and you're like, and they, a lot of them have traveled forever and they're just at a different chapter of their life. And some have saved for a long time to make these journeys. And we were just in a situation in Northern Da Nang where we were these beautiful landscapes climbing these, had the opportunity to climb these mountains and get on um, bikes and do some canoeing. And there was a couple of couples that couple, um, two couples there, one was from India, another one was from Singapore. They were probably in their earlier mid seventies and they couldn't do those things that were physically challenging um, just based on where they were in their life. I looked at it, I was like, man, it, it's amazing that they're, they're putting themselves in those situations, but at the same time, they couldn't take in the entire experience. So in the situations like that, I realized that Nikki and I are doing the right thing um, at this stage in our lives. But also to your point, if, if I would have traveled at 18 or 20, the way that we are now, I don't think I would have appreciated as much that, that I do in this stage in life, because I've had, I've had my work experience. I've had um, exposure to other cultures in America. Um, I, I've had the ability to, to understand what, I guess, what life is like at that age. And then now to get exposure to other cultures and how they're living, it's opened my mind up in many different ways. And I, I can appreciate um, some of the struggles and have empathy in, in, some, in different ways to, to the things that we're seeing that I might not have understood as well at 18 or 20 because you're just, you're still learning about life in general and you, you can't really apply the things that you're learning because you just don't have that life experience. So I feel extremely blessed that this is the time I've chosen to have these experiences um, rather than those that do have them earlier in life. But we meet a lot of young travelers and um, I tell them all the time how lucky they are and just to take it all in because um, you just never know what, because you might get in a job where you just can't get out of it. You just, there's, there's some situations where you're, you get in a job for 30 years or so and there's never that opportune time and, and life brings kids and life brings um, other challenges and you start a business and you just can't step away. So those are, um, those are things you got to, as we meet the younger generation, we're like, hey, man, if you've got, if you have scheduled six months right now to travel, make the most of it and make a lot of friends too, because they're going to go home and then someday maybe you can go visit them and their homes and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that way. Well, we're going completely off my normal script just because <laughs> yeah. I, okay. just so fun stuff to talk about, which I'm great. And, and I love it. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor. And then we'll be right back talking to Matt Javitt. And we're going to talk about the World Barbershop Adventures a little bit more. Here we go. Are you a fan of luxury handbags? Do you have one or more in your closet that need a new home? Then meet Rebag, the online luxury handbag authority that rethinks the role of luxury in the secondary market. Buy, sell, repeat. Rebag puts the seller first and caters to a growing segment of consumers who are looking at the ownership of luxury goods in a more sustainable way. How does it work? Simply submit pictures on the Rebag mobile app and receive a free quote in less than one business day. Or, if you're in New York City, drop by one of their stores and head straight to the Rebag bar. You'll get a quote on the spot. Use your prepaid label to ship your bag from anywhere in the U.S. Once Rebag receives the item, 
Payment is issued instantly, which is an industry first, and customers receive their funds within one to two business days. To learn more, visit rebag.com backslash sell backslash shock your potential, or find our link on our website at shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. All right, I'm back with my new buddy, Matt, and he is currently in Vietnam. Did I get that right? Did I remember? I know we've been talking about all kinds of countries. Are you in Vietnam? Yes, Vietnam. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so I want to ask you then, um, as I'm watching a couple of the episodes of the World Barbershop Adventures, and now I've subscribed, the concept is fabulous. Your editing is fabulous. I love what you're doing. I don't know how to make that happen. Um, so I don't know if you've learned that along the way, but talk a little bit about your concept. You, you briefly discussed, you know, how the, you, you came up with the concept, but what are you trying to accomplish with this series, with the World Barbershop Adventures series? You know, the, I guess the end goal is to give exposure to other cultures um, that people might not know about and then help them want to go to those places but at the same time, show what it's like to get a haircut or a, a barber treatment in another place. Um, and my, I've had a, a few of my buddies reach out and they, they're, they're calling me the Anthony Bourdain of barbershops. It's and, one um, of the first things I thought of, especially with yeah. this is, this is totally, a, he would get into this. Too bad we yeah. lost him. Yeah, and, and his influence is absolutely on the show and um, how, how we attempt to tell the story. But that's my goal is, is to, we go through these cities, we spend typically eight to, to 14 days in them. We get a sense of what, how the city speaks to us. And then during that process, I get an amazing barbershop treatment, whether that's just a haircut or a beard trim, a neck shave, um, spa, facial spa treatments, whatever. A lot the, of stuff going on ears <laughs> yeah yeah my ears like the the fire on my ears shaving the ears with the razor so there's there's all these different things that go on but and the hope is is to be able to show that for the, for that subculture that loves that stuff so there's a, there's a subculture in the barber community and those that love that the, the hair grooming community that love that stuff and eat it up so my my thought was to, to show that kind of that that um that manly experience in the barber chair but then also give a take on the culture as well and, and talk about the culture, give some facts, give my insight, the things I've felt, the people I've met, and show that as well within the series. Um, and, that's, and that's what it's, uh, we, we hope that it's coming off and, and gives people an interest to, if they see Tokyo and they see, and we, we talk about Tokyo, they're like, man, maybe I should go to Tokyo or, or Osaka, Japan, or, or Qatar, um, Doha, Qatar, and things like that. So that's, that's the hope. And that's, um, that's what we're trying to, to show along the way. I think you're really achieving it. Watching them, it gives me a different sense. And, and it's funny, I, I didn't even think about this. I just got my hair done yesterday. And, and I always get done. I get crazy colors. I do all these things. And I didn't think until I was really sitting down to watch a couple of the episodes this morning of what if what would it be like if I had to move somewhere for six months into another country? Well, what would I do? Where would I go to get my hair done? You know, and for you to where would I go to a barber and where would I get a haircut? It would seem daunting. And the way that you've positioned um, these episodes that I've seen, it really shows the common humanity, but it mm -hmm. also shows this sense of, hey, 
there, there are ways to navigate this. You just have to ask the right questions and you have to be willing to take some, some, you know, not risks, but steps that might not be as comfortable in order to find things. And what you'll find is we're, we're more alike than we're different anywhere in the world. Absolutely. There's certain, I guess, codes and, and with, within barbershops, those are, those seem, although they do things very differently. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, I'm so surprised over these last two years of how different sitting in a barber chair can be in, in all these different cultures and how they cut hair differently and um, how they treat you differently and whatnot. But at the same time, there's like a code of just kindness that when you step through those doors, there's a welcoming. And even if there's, you cannot even speak the language or there's no language even in being spoken, that there's, uh, there's just a, a vibe of positivity that each of you have as a goal. <laughs> one wants to make money and cut your hair. One wants to get a good haircut. And together you make it happen. And hopefully through that process, if, if you can talk and communicate in some way, um, there's a, a great experience that comes out of it. Um, that you can, there's a story to tell, or there's a new friend, or there, there's something there. So that's what I experienced that for a year before we started um, even building this content out. We had amazing treatments in all parts of the world. And that's why I'm so happy that we decided to do this because looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have recorded uh, my time in uh, Jammu, India, and in uh, all the different places. And, and but now that we do, we're doing this, it's it's been a lot of fun to be able to, to be able to really just to relive and experience it. But then also knowing that I can look back on this in, in years um, to, to remember all of it. I'm just always amazed that any man can sit there in a barber chair and have somebody attacking you with a straight razor. <laughs> that yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I know it. And there's been situations where uh, it, it can get scary. I mean, somebody's got a blade on your neck <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's an intense environment. Uh, I had, I've had a few of those that... Uh, uh, there's a lot of trust. There's a whole lot of trust going on. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's been fun though. So let me kind of pull it back a little bit, you know, with all these adventures that you've had on the road in different parts of the world, has there been one exceptional experience that you've had as a, from a customer perspective that really stands out to you? Um, from a, I tell you the, if, if from the barbershop aspect, the, um, the barbershop in uh, Bali, Indonesia. Um, and I've been lucky. I'll tell you, I was, I was talking to Nikki. Uh, now I, I probably went to the best barbershop in all of Cambodia. I know that the Bali barbershop is likely, it's the best barbershop in Bali and probably one of the best barbershops in Indonesia. If, if you looked around as far as service and everything goes And the barbershop in Tokyo is absolutely the best barbershop in Tokyo. Cause it's been like, it's getting gotten awards and stuff. So I've had an opportunity to go to all these amazing barbers in Southeast Asia in particular, but then when you look at some of the other places we've gone to, um, I'm really going to experience some of the best of the best. And so in, in Bali, um, the owner there, Desmond, he, um, he just gets it. He's, he's a former, he traveled from New York, um, met his wife there in Bali, and then she had her own salon. So he ended up starting his own barbershop. No barbershop experience before. He's just an owner, wow. but he brought... He brought all this kind of these Western ideas to, to Bali. And Bali is, an, is a country where they understand how to treat people. It's all about health. It's, it's, it's mindset. It's taking care of your, um, uh, the, the yogis are, are big there, taking care of your body in that way. Uh, tons of massages and, and treatments. 
So to, to do what he's doing there, um, he absolutely gets it because it's like a man cavey vibe, but you can get your nails done. Uh, he does facials. It, he, it, he has everything covered. I, I had in that episode, I've got um, an earwax and I got my nose waxed, but that is absolutely painful. Um, Nikki <laughs> looks at me like we go through, she looks at me like girls go through this all the time. And um, I just get my ears waxed and I, I think it's the worst thing ever. But, um, but yeah, at, at, at that particular barbershop, to, to understand how they treat people, they, they treat each individual like they're the most important person that walks through the door from like the knowing of your name, uh, the way that they greet you, and everything that they go through on a person-by-person basis, and then customizing each treatment to that person, I really felt that there. And uh, it's something that it stuck out with me. And that's the cool thing about my series is hopefully as barbers from other parts of the world watch these they can pick up things that they, that they can then implement into their own shops. Because if they take a little bit of piece of something that I did that I went through in Tokyo, because again, I'm not a barber. I've never been a barber. I don't know anything about how to use clippers. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm the customer. So if they understand like what the customer wants and they can take a little piece of all these barber shops and implement into their shop, they're going to improve their customer service as well. So, um, but yeah, that, that's probably what stood out to me the most. I love it. So knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and talk to the younger Matt at any point in time, when would you go back and what would you tell him that would have shocked your own potential farther or faster or kept you on the exact same course? I think it was in my, in my sales career. So I sold technology services for nine years. And the first two years, as in, in any sales job, were an absolute struggle. And then I hit my stride. And in my last five years, I, I, I really excelled. The first two years, I was so afraid of failing in front of my peers that I, I, it held me back. I was the type of person that, especially in my first two years, I was probably working 70 hours a week. And I was really doubling the time that I was learning just based on my hours. And I was fresh to technology, didn't know anything about it, but I knew how to sell. Um, but I wasn't really, I knew how to sell to, to customers, but not really big business type things. So I was learning all these new things, and I, but I was afraid to bring my peers and my um, kind of my higher level management on sales calls with me. So they wouldn't see me fail or they wouldn't see me struggle and I, the, the, as soon as I figured that out, they said, I said, dude, let go of your ego. It's okay to look like uh, you're not so good at some things and, and help, let them help you get through that. As soon as I worked through that, um, those, those inner demons that I had, then I began to succeed. And what was funny was, is the more I succeeded, the more I care. I didn't even care if I started to fail in front of my, my management. And it's in failure as in, a call, a sales call goes bad. You have a bad meeting. Somebody sees flaws in your game, but then you get to up them later. Um, the more that the, the more and more success that I had, uh, the more I was just like, Hey, my performance is speaking for itself. So I don't care if they see these other flaws in me. And then my game just kept getting better and better and better. So if I talked to my younger self, I would just say, dude, don't even worry about it. Nobody cares anyway. We all think that people are judging us on a regular basis, but in the reality is they're, they're worried about themselves. So they're not even really, they're not as focused on you as what you think they are. Um, so right. just get through the failures as quickly as you can um, so you can achieve those successes. That's a really good point. I can relate to that, especially early in my sales career as well. And I remember I had a manager who, I, right before I was going in to do a sales call and I said, 
I've got to tell you, every time I've gone in here, I have, I've just hit a brick wall. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried this. I'm, I just know when we walk in the store, it's going to be horrible. It's going to end up horrible. And he goes, all right, well, let's brainstorm it before we went in. And we already had a pretty good relationship, but just me finally just saying, okay, I know this is going to suck. I don't want to dread it anymore. I'm just going to put it out there. That way, at least he knows it's going to suck before we walk in. And instead he's like, Hey, well, why don't you try this? Now we did. I went in, it didn't work. We got back in the car and he goes, well, that sucked. (laughs) And then what he did is he kept working with me like, okay, well that didn't work. What about this? And so every time he would give me a new idea that never made me feel like I failed, he just wanted to figure out how we could tap it together. And, and we've eventually were successful, but it probably took another year after that. But that's, I, to your point, I finally felt like, oh, well, this guy's really here to help me. Why don't I use him? Absolutely. And, and to be able to, especially when you got people that have, have been, been doing it successfully um, around you and you can hear how they do it. That's the, that's the coolest thing about it is if, you, if you, you're not afraid of um, surrounding yourself with your peers and your management, you can hear them pitch the story or hear them talk about, in my case, technology. And then if you, you're a sponge and you, 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 sometimes I would, re, I would record a lot of those conversations and, and when I was in my car alone, replay them and listen to how they said things um, and then, or write them down and review them and then go online and look them up. Because there was a lot of times in meetings where they were saying things, I had no idea what they were talking about. So I'd have to write them down, Google later, and then, and then research and figure out how it aligned with what we were positioning. Um, and if you do that more and more and more, you're just, you're going to get better. You, there's just no yeah. way you're not going to get better. Um, and that's what you just got to be kind of, you just got to be open, open and vulnerable to that um, and, and put yourself out there a little bit, but you're going to, it's going to help you in your career and in life in general, just being that open-minded. Absolutely. Well, as we get near the end here, I am going to have all of your contact information, all of your links will be on the show notes, but I always like to give people the opportunity to give the top couple ways that people can uh, ping you right now and, you know, find out how to follow you. So what's the best way for people to follow what you've got going on? The best way is um, passportjoy.com. If you just go to passportjoy.com, there you'll find our, our podcast, our weekly podcast, our, our blog posts, all of our social media, and then it links to World Barbershop Adventures. I love it. Matt, this has been a pleasure. I'm so glad that you reached out to me to talk about being on my podcast because it really opened my eyes to what you're doing, and I, I am just thoroughly enjoying it, so I appreciate it. So before we wrap up here, any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners? Yeah, I would say um, when it comes to travel, um, spend less on accommodations and pack less. Um, (laughs) And then, you know what my suitcase looks like right now? You do have a camera. You know, I'm getting ready to leave somewhere. (laughs) You You, sound like my husband. (laughs) You can pack. The the rest of the world has whatever you need. That's all I'm going to say. Because you can you can get it anywhere. But um, but when it I guess when it comes to life, I would. I would uh, encourage people to get their self-talk under control and really understand how you're talking to yourself and the words that you're using um, around others. Because if you let a lot of negativity creep in, you're going to push out the people that you probably want to be around and you're going to keep yourself from achieving all you can achieve and everything you deserve 
um, because the words are so powerful because the words are your thoughts. All that, that uh, negativity and all the, the self-doubt, if you can learn to work through that, that's what helped me propel me on, on our path and, and the success that, that um, I've had the opportunity to succeed is once you get that self-talk under control and you, you help that you have a lot more positive thoughts than negative thoughts, then your life will follow that exact path. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you and your wife continue to have fabulous adventures that we can watch and uh, live a little vicariously. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. My book, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, is available on Amazon and through my website. And look for my second book, Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget, shock your own potential today. I'm excited to announce that the second edition of my book, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, is now available on Amazon. To get a sneak preview and the first 10 pages of the book, text the words, Tell Me More, to 72000. That's 72000 and the words, Tell Me More.